just a change in my life, you know, that Christ has done for me, you know, and uh, I'm basically not afraid to show people who I am in Christ, you know, uh, and through that, people has actually come up to me and about the gospel, willing to hear, you know, who is Jesus? Well, why did he die on that cross, you know, or my friends, you know, they feel convicted, you know, some of them are actually attending here now, uh, and I'm so grateful for that, you know, and uh, all through that, it's, it's just showing who you are in Christ, you know, just not being afraid to, you know, pray in front of your food or just speak Christianese or just th take a stand to to uh, your, your uh, the righteousness that God puts through you. And I just wanted to read a quick verse, I mean, quick uh, verses about uh, what I'm talking about. It said, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. It's teaching about salt and light. It said, if you are the salt and light, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine all out we're all out to see so that everyone will praise you, Heavenly Father. So I just want to encourage everyone to just continue to be the shining light to the lost, you know, and uh, just uh, in your actions and your deeds, always be cheery, you know, because you are blessed, you are favored by God through Jesus Christ. Uh, amen. I just want to close our eyes in prayer for the service. Thank you, God, for this wonderful day, Lord. Thank you for all my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, that you are continually moving in us, Lord, that you are continually maturing in us, Lord, that you are helping us walk in wisdom and humility, Lord. And I just thank you for the vision, Lord, that simple vision that you gave everyone, Lord, to love you and love people, Lord. And I just pray that we could continue to walk in that righteous path, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray, Lord. I lift, I lift the service up to you, Lord, and the worship to you, Lord, and I pray that we will all get together, Lord, and mature in righteousness, Father God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, I want you to shout out hallelujah. Come on, shout out hallelujah this morning. Come on, how many of you guys came ready to worship Jesus? Come on, put those hands together like that. You are good, Jesus. You are good, Lord. And we lift our voice and praise to you, Jesus. Hey. Come on, sing this with us. Sing. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Oh, clap your hands. Let me hear you. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout out to God with the voice of Jariah. Come on, as you're clapping your hands, can you clap on down these stairs to the altar? Come on, we're going to sing about his love. We're going to sing about his faithfulness. Hallelujah. Come on, say that again. Say, oh, clap your hands, all you people. Let me hear you. Shout out to God with the voice of Jariah. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Everyone, shout out to God with the voice of Jariah. Shout of praise in this place. 
for the Lord is good and his mercy endures. Come on, tell your neighbor right now, say, for the Lord is good. Come on, tell him. And his mercy endures forever. Sing it one more time. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures. Come on, say hallelujah. Say hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, lift up your voice and say, Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. The highest praise belongs to you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, the whole church says, Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, keep playing. I want to tell you a story this morning. Who's ready for story time? Say story time. Okay, Old Testament, okay? Way, way back, there was this ocean keeping the Israelites apart, okay? To the promised land, okay? It's the Red Sea, okay? The Egyptians are behind them. Man, you might be going through a hard time and you think there's no escape. But let me tell you, story time is, is that Jesus rescues his people. He causes a miracle to happen. Tell your neighbor, say miracle. Come on, this section, say miracle. Come on, God causes a miracle to happen in story time. He causes that Red Sea to open up and they walk to the other side. Come on, who wants a miracle in this place? Come on, wake up your neighbor and say, story time is here. Come on, let's sing this song. Come on, let's say hallelujah. Say hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, just like the Israelites sang, hallelujah, say it. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Say, Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands and say, Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. One more time, say, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Ready for King of Glory?
God. We lift you high above all things, Lord. We raise you up, Jesus. We raise you up, Lord. Can you just raise up your hands and raise up your voice? Raise up your heart this morning. Say, God, I lift you up higher than anything in my life, God. Come on, I want to remind us this morning that the same God that caused those miracles of the Old Testament is the same God that is living inside of you and me. Come on, that, that God that made miracles is not gone. Come on, he still wants to make miracles in this place today. Come on, you're still the same God. We worship the same God. Oh, Lord, we praise you. God, we want to see you in this place. We want to see you in this place. Hallelujah. We love your presence, God.
if you draw near to him, he's going to draw near to you. So he's just asking for that first step. Come on, that's you. That's your first step to him. And he's saying, I'm going to meet you. Come on, if you want him, if you want to feel the Holy Ghost, he's saying he's here right now. Come on, all over this room, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, come on, or if you want to be, if you want to be close, I want you to just lift up your voice to him and say, God, I want it. I want you. I want you, God. And I'm coming close to you. Setting up this atmosphere for the Holy Ghost to move. We love you, we love you, we love you, Holy Ghost. We love you, Lord. We love your presence. We love being near you, God. We love feeling you on our hearts, Lord. We love feeling your joy, your presence, your peace, Lord. Thank you for the way you move, Lord God. We love you, we love you, we love you, God. Love of God fill this place. Let the love of God fill this place. Lord. Come on, mess us all up, Lord God. All our plans, all the things we think or should, could or would have happened. God, we want you to come. Come in power. Come in mind, Jesus. All we need is a touch from you, Lord. Come on, if I had somebody to cry out with me. Come on, if I had a church to cry out.
we give it all to you, God, we give you our hearts. Jesus, we give you everything, God. We want you to be the center of our lives, God. We want you to take control, Lord. We're going to stop fighting, God. We're going to walk in your victory. We're going to walk in your strength, walk in your mind, God. Lord, we want you to be the center of our lives, Jesus. Jesus gave it a hundred 
the 10% on the cross. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Jesus. Just call the name of Jesus. Just say Jesus from your heart because you need him. Come on, myself as a pastor.
Father, bless this time. Have your way in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Give Jesus a praise. Hallelujah. And we can find our seats. Pastor Barrett, one of the pastors here at FBI Church, thank you for joining us this morning. I want to bring to you a message of salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ, his crucifixion, his burial and resurrection. Amen. That happened over 2,000 years, and for over 2,000 years, he's been saving so many souls from different many parts of lives, from many different stories and testimonies, from so many different ways. Amen. If you've been saved by Jesus Christ, say amen. If he has rescued you from death, say amen. Come on, we all have a story, right? But some of us don't have a story that watching via webcam are sitting here. We don't have that testimony. We don't have that experience of his love in our hearts. We don't, we don't have that yet. But this morning you can have it. If you humble yourself, this morning you can have it. If you just look to Jesus in the cross and what he did. And give him your sin and genuinely repent from everything that you know is wrong. Because in this place, if the moment you walk in, I know if you're in sin, you're, you're even, or you're watching via webcam, the conviction is coming through. I know the conviction is there. I know there's things flowing through your mind that you know it's not right. And it's an opportunity that God gives you. He withdraws those things through his spirit to say, hey, give them to me. Give them to me. You're coming here and you're watching because I want you to give me those things. Don't hold on to them, amen. Some of us, some of you are, you know, enjoying so much of the pleasures of this world. You're hungry for God, but you're, you're, you're fitting off from the worldly sources. You're fitting off from the things of this world. The Bible says that the love of the Father is not found in the world. You're fitting off from the from these, these things, entertainment, from clubbing, from party, from drunkenness, from man, from women, you name it. Pleasures. But Jesus says, no, no. I didn't do that. In a, I, didn't, I didn't give my life on the cross for that. See, you're hungering for God, but you find you're, you're fighting to get fed somewhere else. But Jesus is the source of life. Jesus is the one that wants to fill you with a good source of living water. Amen. Hallelujah. If we could go to that scripture, you know, I don't want to beat down, your, you know, so, beat you down so much in your sin and say, okay, you know, that's how bad you are. But I, I want to say the good news. That's good. That's a good part, okay. There's this good part that Jesus did for us. He bore our sins on the cross. Amen. God is good. We are bad. God is good. He is a good God, and he demonstrated by sending his son Jesus on the cross, putting him, putting him to shame for us, for our sins. Amen. I want to share this scripture, Luke 12, verses 4 to 5. It says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into the hell Yes, I tell you, fear him. Some of you need the fear of God in your heart. The fear of his judgment that if you continue in your sin, he will condemn you straight to hell. You, you, you think it's a pity, you think that, that you can play around with God, but no, there's no more playing around. God is saying, get rid of your sin. God said, repent. He's giving you a time right now. This is his grace, offering free, saying, hey, give me your sin. It's a free gift. 
He's offering you a free gift. If I give to you some cookies that are so yummy, if I give you a free brownies that look so delicious, you will take it because it's free, right? But Jesus is offering you a free gift. It's called grace, salvation, through the cross. If we can please stand. Don't be afraid of me because I might be a little intimidated or saying how bad your sin is. Be afraid of God. Amen. Don't be, some of us are afraid of what's going on with our nation. See, because, okay, the economy is going down so forth. Don't be afraid of what man's going to do to you with your, you know, with your finances or your job. No, be afraid of God. Amen. Especially if you're not saved. I'm speaking to those that are not saved. Those that are, are not born again. Those that have not accepted Jesus and have confessed. You can do that now. You can confess Jesus. This is the time to say, Jesus, Holy Spirit and fire, give me a heart of repentance. Confess that right now with a whisper, with a shout. Do it for your own soul's sake so you will not perish in hell but have eternal life. He demonstrated his great love. He sent Jesus. The answer is there. Amen. Don't waste your time. Tomorrow's not promised. Today's the day of salvation. Take courage. Shake all that sin off. No more playing with God. Amen. Let us pray. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, we just bless you. Lord, I, I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit, Lord, would do the work and people will respond to the cross. How can we not receive, how can we not want to accept the free gift that you give us? You offer forgiveness. You offer a new life in Jesus. God, I pray that right now people will surrender their hearts to you 100%. Watching via welcome or here present, Lord, they will surrender their hearts 100% to you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let us uh, um, take a time to recite our confession of faith. We do this because it's our Christian worldview. All over 9 million Christians believe this around the world. Amen. On the count of three, we all confess it. One, two, and three. I believe in one God and one creator who is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world and the Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the death. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Heart, I want you to come up to um, Griselda and Ishmael. They will pray for you. Please feel free. Come up and pray. Receive prayer. They'll tell you about discipleship and getting connected to the church. Amen. Let us spend the next few minutes in fellowship. Praise God. As distant hearts begin believing Redemption's bid is unrelenting
to Metro Praise International. Who's excited to be here this morning? Come on. Look to your neighbor and say, it's good to see you. Look to your other neighbor. Give them a high five. Tell them just relax. Relax and enjoy yourself. Amen. Welcome again to MPI. Our services here are every Sundays at 10 a.m. And then we have Elevate. Fridays at 7 p.m. for 11 to 18 years old. If this is your first time here, if you could just wave your hand in the air, our ushers will give you one of these brochures. If you did not receive one at the door, just fill out the bottom card, drop it in the drop box. We would love to connect with you throughout the week. So if this is your first time, welcome, welcome, welcome everybody. On behalf of all of the leaders, thank you for joining us today. We have some exciting news. We announced it last week, but we're going to keep doing it all month long. We are going to two services. Come on. Starting Easter, which is April 5th, next month, we are going to be having a 10 a.m. service and a 1 p.m. service. And at this time, I want to release our ushers to pass out these awesome uh, in invite cards for you so that you can invite your friends and your family. Not only is this uh, a brochure, an invite for our two services, but it's also for our Easter uh, sermon series, okay? So all of the month of April, we are going to be focusing on who is Jesus. So we want you guys to be creative. The ushers are going to pass out a whole bunch of these, like huge stacks. Okay, whatever, hold that up, uh, Mr. Steve, please, hold that up. Yeah, that whole stack right there, that needs to be like 10 times bigger. Yeah, so all the ushers, like I want you to get like a stack like this big, okay? So you guys are going to pass them all the way down the aisles, Hey, can we get some more people passing them out? We're just going to take our time. Look to your neighbor, just say, take your time. Well, you are going to grab a stack like this to take home and put it in your backpack, put it in your man purse, 
wherever you got to put these things, okay? Because you are going to be dropping them like it's hot. Look to your neighbor and say, drop it like it's hot, okay? We want stacks, whole bunch of stacks going up and down these rows because we are going to take our time. This is Easter. This is a big deal, okay? So we have all of the month of March to drop it like it's hot at restaurants to the waiter or waitress. Drop it like it's hot when you get your nails did. Drop them like it's hot, okay? At, for the mailman, wherever you are, wherever you go, you are dropping these like they're, like they're hot, okay? So invite your friends, invite your family, invite your coworkers, your waiters, waitresses, people that do your hair. Invite the whole city of Chicago. We are ready. Are we not ready, Metro Praise International, for the whole city of Chicago? Come on. All right. Our vision here is loving God and loving people. We strive to do that with all of our heart. Our discipleship strategy is connect, mentor, and send. There's three steps to our strategy of discipleship. And the first one is connect. We want to connect you to the church, connect you to Jesus through our life groups. Say life groups. On the back of your handout is our schedule. Find a place to belong. We say it week in and week out. We want you guys to feel like family. There's a place here of, uh, of people, of leaders that want to pour into your life. And here's a snapshot of what's happening this week. So get ready. Today, our single men are meeting 18 years and up, 3 p.m. That's a little week again. Come on, single men, you guys are meeting today. All right, give it up for the single guys. We're meeting at 3 p.m. Wednesdays, every week, we have our King's Kids Life Group. That's infant to 11 years old. That's Royal Rangers Club for the boys and Impact Girls Club, where we teach our little ones to live for Jesus. That's their life group. Drop them off, parents, at 6.30. Pick them up at 8. They're going to have an awesome time. Every Friday, we have two adult life groups, one at the Govea's house, one at the Walker's house. Come on, make some noise for that. 18 years and up, 7 p.m. And then every Saturday, we have evangelism team going out. People meet here at 5 p.m. All ages are welcome. Go out to the streets and share your faith. If you've never done that before, gone street witnessing, street preaching, you've got to come and try it out, okay? Because we're all called to do it. And it's only going to take time and practice in order for you to get over your nerves and not be nervous or scared. Because if you're not going out preaching the gospel and hearing all of the arguments and hearing all of the back backlash from the unbelievers, you're never going to be prepared. So you've got to practice. You've got to go out there, share your faith with even the little bit that you know. It doesn't matter. What we know that uh, about Jesus coming, dying, being buried, and rising from the dead is all we need to tell the world. I mean, we don't have to answer all of the ridiculous arguments and all that stuff. It's good to be prepared in those ways, but the bottom line is Jesus came. He died to save you from your sin. You accept him or reject him. And if you accept him, there's consequences of, of goodness in heaven. And if you reject him, there's consequences of hellfire for all of eternity. That's all you need to do to go witness, okay? So join the evangelism life group. Come on. And then we want to uh, mentor you. So we want to take you through our 101 book, Welcome to Your New Life. Leaders are ready to take you through that. Disciples that make disciples is a class every Sunday morning. We want to send you out to preach the gospel, share your faith. And our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in the city and 500 around the world. If you believe we could do that, say amen. Come on, we are ready. Look to your neighbors and say, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Come on. We're excited. We all lost an hour of sleep, but guess what? Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth losing that hour of sleep. We are here. We are ready to go. We are on fire. 
Come on, let's get ready to get your mind blown by today's tithing lesson, okay? Today's tithing lesson is awesome. You can go to givingbook.org if you want to follow along. That's where the website is for this book, or you can just look up here. If you could please turn your, to your Bibles to Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. Malachi 3, 10 through 12 in your Bible. We are still in section 1, learning about tithing. And we are on lesson 10, the tithe advances God's kingdom. How many faithful tithers do I have in here that love advancing the kingdom of God? We, that is a privilege. That is a privilege and honor that we get to do that, advancing God's kingdom here on earth. The definition of a tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. Let's read in Malachi. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. How many of you guys want to live in a delightful land? Come on. Three main points from that passage of scripture. Number one, the whole tithe goes to the storehouse. Just like how the storehouse was the temple in the Old Testament, in the New Testament it is the church. Say church. So God wants his church blessed so that it can meet the needs of the community. And are we not doing that, NPR? We are meeting the needs of our community, giving rides, giving groceries, giving to those that are in need when they need it. Come on, there's so much more to do in this city. Number two, if you bless God's house, he will bless your house. Say, I want to be blessed. Though God could give us commands without blessings, he could do that if he wanted to. He is generous and loves to lavish those who give to him. He chooses to bless. He could give promises and not bless. He could give commands and not bless. But he loves to lavish. That is the God that we serve. He loves to lavish his love and goodness in our lives. When we follow his commands, when we put him first, when we give him our finances, full control of our finances, and are faithful to giving our tithe and our offering, he blesses abundantly. He will open up the floodgates of heaven, and we won't even have room to receive all his goodness. That's how big he is. Number three, God blesses a nation through his people. That is you and I. When the people of God are blessed, the land in which they live is blessed. Therefore, every citizen should be a tither for the sake of their nation's prosperity. Come on. Here's a summary. Giving to God advances his kingdom in our personal lives, in the church, and the nation in which we live. That is powerful. We serve a mighty God. Let's apply this. Number one, give your whole tithe cheerfully. That's the key word, cheerfully to God's storehouse, which is his church, so that you can be a vessel of God's blessing. Remember, what God gives to you, he wants it to go through you. Number two, pray for your nation to repent of greed and disobedience and for everyone to become faithful in their tithe. tithes. Stats show, listen to this, is very key. Stats show that if all the Christians would tithe, because there are Christians that don't tithe, but if all of them did, we could end world hunger just through the church. We could end world hunger, hunger, give every person clean water, and have a gospel-preaching church for all unreached people groups. Come on. Let's confess this over our life, over our nation. 
on the count of three. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. Stand up with me this morning, MPI, and let's ready to give to the Lord. Come on. A tithe, like we've just said, is 10% of your total income given faithfully. And we have our offerings here at MPI designated to two places. One is to the building fund, and one can go to missions. Currently, we are in a building fund offering, which is something that we uh, designate towards projects like this 15-passenger van. And here is a report. Give it up for yourselves, for God's faithfulness. We raised in February $944, which brings us to a total of 3233 Come on. You guys could do better than that. That is your faithfulness. That is your giving. So we have 4,767 less to get this van so that we can bless our people, bless this church. Thank you again for partnering with us because together we are stronger. Together God can use us to advance his kingdom, and that is what we are doing, okay? So let's continue to give. Let's, get, uh, let's remain faithful. Thank you for your generosity. Every week we cannot do this without you. And I want to remind you of our options. We have online giving for your convenience, and Griselda and I will always be available in the back before or after service. If you want to pay with a credit card, you can purchase books. You can pay your tithes and offerings. Uh, you can buy Bibles, T-shirts uh, with a credit card because we have that swipe mechanism that we can do that through PayPal. So please feel free and enjoy that convenience for you. And let's recite um, this verse. Acts 20, 35. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your abundant goodness, your abundant generosity. And I pray that you would open up the floodgates over our lives, God, as we have chosen to put you first in every area of our life. Be faithful to your commands. Be tithers and givers. I pray that you would open up the floodgates and pour a blessing that we wouldn't have room to receive it so we could bless your people, bless this city, bless this nation, God, and the nations of the world. We want to give, God. We want to be blessed. We want to be givers, God. We want whatever comes to our hands uh, because of your faithfulness to go through our hands so that we can bless those around us. We thank you, God, so much for providing for us, God. And now we give back to you. Let this be a pleasing aroma to you, God, so that we could use it to win Chicago for Jesus. In your name we pray. And everybody said amen. Please come forward as you give this morning and thank you for your generosity. Amen, amen. How many are ready for a baby dedication? Let me hear a woo-woo. Come on. 
I'm looking for Danielle. There she is. Let's give it up as Danielle comes. Marino, Danielle Marino with Alexander Marino. Let's give it up for these two, the mother and her daughter. Look at you. Oh, mother and daughter, sorry. <laughs> Awkwardness. I was getting this ready with my scriptures, and I was, like, totally not thinking. You forgive me? I got a beautiful dedication to give you. Let me just give that to you while I get this open. You know, children are a blessing from the Lord, and uh, we're so thankful for Danielle and little Alexander down here. How are you doing, little buddy? You a little scared? You want to give me a high five? You want to play hide and go seek around mama? Oh, look at you. Look at you. There you are. So uh, we believe in dedicating children here <laughs> because we love children. We do. And this is exactly the kind of children that Jesus had around him all the time. You know, a lot of times we do with babies, and sometimes, you know, we think it's only babies. But, no, actually the children were running after Jesus, and then Jesus would pray for them. So uh, this is totally apropos. But will you let me hold you? <laughs> Dude, can I hold you while I pray for you? Dude, oh, come on, can I get a high five or something? Oh, dude, we're like, okay. He is just something else. You know, guys are no more, normally more shy than girls. Does anybody notice that uh, with, with kids? Uh, my son is way more shy than my girls ever were, and I've just noticed that. And I don't know when boys become like men. Does, does any parent here want to shout out an age when my boy will stop being shy? Because he's two years old right now, and uh, my girls were past that around two or three. Any age? No? Nobody wants to tell me? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody have children? Okay. Anyways, Nancy, when do you think Lucas will stop being so shy? What's your guess? Like soon? Three or four? Should we bring him out and have him play with Alexander? Would that make it easier for them? Okay. Do you, hey, do you know Lucas? Do you know who Lucas is? You guys are about the same age. Well, yeah, why don't you hold him? Let's pray for him. Look at the Bible says quickly. The Bible says that in Matthew 19, 13 through 15, Jesus would see the children, place his hands on them, and bless them. Can we do that right now? Father, we ask you to bless Alexander. We pray that you will encourage him. May he grow up to always know and love you. Help him, Lord, to be strong in his faith, Lord, and to grow up and be a leader and an example. I pray for Danielle, God, that you will continue to use her and bless her and all that she does, Father. Bless their family, Nicholas, who couldn't be here today, the Father. Father, and all that they do, in Jesus' name, amen. We love you. Thank you. Let's give it up for this wonderful family. Daniela, sorry, I always say, I always say Danielle, another. Maybe I should stop doing the baby dedications. Does any one of our pastors want to volunteer to start doing them for me? Would that be okay? How about Steve? Steve, why don't we give up a hand clap for Steve? He's one of our SUM students. I think part of your internship should be doing baby dedications. That will be your internship. So whoever's got the next baby dedication coming up, don't be offended, but Steve is doing your baby dedication. Like some people are like, no, I don't want that. I want the pastor. No, that's what we're going to do. You're going to like it. You're going to like it a lot. Can I get the little trackpad? I forgot it up here. Will you open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 3? I guess this is what I'm like where I miss an hour of sleep. But I'm going for it today. How many are ready to spring into spring? How many are ready for the warm weather? How many know you are Chicago when you get excited about a 40-degree week? Like my wife was like, because we have our baby's, uh, uh, Hannah's rather, birthday party this Saturday. And she's like, are you going to grill? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to grill. 
it's over 40 degrees. I'm pulling out the grill. I'm pulling out the shorts. I'm going to do whatever I got to do, the sandals. I'm going to be out up in that thing. We already let our kids play yesterday. Like, they're all, like, in dirty snow and the soggy grass. But, like, you're free. Like, we just sent them out. Like, go. Okay, so this is what we're on right now. We're on God's heart for you. How many know Jesus loves you? Amen. And so do we. We love you, and that's important. But this whole series has been about God's heart. We did it just in February, then we got all excited and decided to rock it for March to even push it through. So this is now Lanyap in French, which means a little bit extra, because I used to live in the, uh, the Cajun country of New Orleans. So everybody say Lanyap. So for this whole month of March, I'm continuing on into just different aspects of God's heart for you. It's been very exciting. I mean, Lord has been speaking to me, uh, just breaking my heart in good ways, uh, showing me how much he loves me, how much he cares about me. How many have just been, at any, maybe during this month or another time, just overwhelmed by God's love before? Like, have you ever just been overwhelmed and it just brings tears to your eyes and you're just happy and you know that God cares about you? Maybe even today in worship if you felt that. Well, that's what this whole series is about. And then to give you, uh, you know, things from the Bible that you could literally look at, you know, and go, I understand God's heart more. And so I want you to understand God's heart more today about when you go through trials. I want you to understand it clearly today as much as I can share with you as your pastor because let me just say a side note right here what does a pastor really do I mean am I playing golf all week am I uh, just you know doing something silly you know whatever people think pastors do no what my job is if you look in the book of Acts my job is to pray and study God's word that is my job now many of you might wish you just had that job okay I could pray and read my bible all day okay but listen if we all just prayed and read our bible all day, there would be no houses to live in because I don't make houses. Are you guys with me? So, so we would all be praying and reading our Bible living on the side of a hill somewhere. And then like if we ever got sick, there would be no doctors because I don't know anything about medicine. So how many are happy I do what I do and y'all do what you do? Amen. And then there's other people who are saying I'm called to that and that's why we have a Bible college and that's awesome. But let me just tell you, I take that very serious. Okay, when, when, when I'm saying I'm praying and reading my Bible, I'm not like talking like I pray for five minutes and then just go spend the rest of the time doing whatever I do. My wife will tell you hours, plural hours, what you would expect if that was my job. And then studying the Word of God, it's not like I just pick up the Bible and just be like, oh, what, is, what do I think this means? Hours. As a matter of fact, uh, the church prayed for me, and I'd like to ask you, uh, the leaders prayed for me earlier, and I'd like to ask you as a church to pray for me. Tomorrow I am starting my doctorate classes at Trinity Evangelical University. So would you guys pray for me that I can be successful in that endeavor? Amen. It's a four-year program, and I'll be getting my doctorate by God's grace. Amen. So so uh, thank you. When I'm telling you I take that serious, I'm talking like I take it as serious as a doctor takes giving you medicine, okay? I'm talking, when, I, when I'm learning from God's word and praying this week, I'm not just throwing out lightly these things. This is a, uh, uh, my life's work in this subject, really. You know, if you look at every sermon, I am bringing you my life's work. It, it is like an artist coming before you every week, painting a new painting, or a musician singing a new song, not repeating a song. I don't repeat my sermons every week, do I? So imagine if an artist, every time, uh, what's that guy who sings the happy song? What's that guy? Bruno. Pharrell sings the happy. Happy. That's Pharrell. That's not Bruno Mars. I was thinking Bruno Mars. 
Does what song does Bruno Mars sing that's all popular right now? Uptown Funk. There we go. That's what I was thinking, but I guess I got the two names and people mixed up. Okay, so Pharrell. So think about Pharrell right now or Bruno Mars. If every time they got on the stage, I come on, the, I come onto this uh, podium, uh, 52 times a year, once a week. Imagine if every time they came on the stage, they made a new song. Every time. That's what I'm doing as your pastor. So hear my, hear my little side note before we get into this. My heart is to present to you my life's work every time we meet and the best understanding I have of God's word in these areas. Now, it's up to you, okay? Now, listen, it's up to you what you do with that information. You could say, well, it's just his opinion. You could do that. You, you could wash away everything that I spent this week preparing and my lifetime as a foundation, and you could go, well, that's just what he thinks. You could do that. That would be foolish. Or you could take it serious and go, hey, if I'm going through a trial today and there's some troubles in my life today, I should listen to what that man has to say about it. He has spent the entire 40-hour week plus investing his life into God's word to hear what it's saying. He spent his time praying over and over and over again through some of the toughest issues we face in life so that he could give me an hour message that presents an answer. Are you guys tracking with me? That's what this is today. I want to set that up in that intensity because when I talk to people about their problems, they think my short answer is somehow not taking them seriously. Just because I can't respond to your call, just because I can't be at your house through your problem doesn't mean I don't care. I care by starting a church. I cared by making disciples that are available for you when I'm not. Are you guys listening to me? I care by spending my entire 40-hour week plus the lifetime that I give to this uh, church so that you could come here, scroll through here, just click on there for me, please, so that you could go through every single one of these scriptures. Thank you. I got it now. Thank you. So that you could go through every one of these scriptures. Listen, right here, biblical trials. I list out about 10 things that you could go through. Then I list out 12 things you can do in a trial with every one of them with a scripture, and then I show you God's heart at the end with that powerful ending verse in Romans. Are you tracking with me? So it is up to you. Everybody say it's up to me what you do now. You see, if you go through a trial and you're like, man, you know what? God's not there for me. No, you are a liar and your pants are on fire. God does care for you. If you go through a trial and I'm not there and you go, well, he let me down. You are a liar and your pants are on fire. I presented a message to you. I gave you the word of God. Do you think Jesus was Dr. Phil, y'all? Do you all get that in your mind? I think sometimes we think Jesus was Dr. Phil. Was Jesus like sitting down with people going, okay, now just tell me your problems. Come on, tell me. Get deep. Get really deep. Okay, how were you as a child? What was your favorite pet? Was that Jesus? Jesus' answers were pretty simple to people's most complicated problems. Repent. Okay, well, there we go. That's a pretty uh, simple answer to a complicated problem. Well, I don't know what to do. I'm in love with this person. We're like this, and we do that, and we we'll repent. It's called sin. Now, you may want a deeper answer than that, but that's Jesus' answer to you, okay? Well, I got a bad attitude. I don't know how to get along in life. Change your stinking thinking. See, that's a short, simple answer to your complicated problem. That's how Jesus was. Now, we want to overanalyze it, and you know what happens in our overanalyzations? We stay in the problem. You need to see the simple answers of Jesus and get out of the problem. 
So today we're going to talk about God's heart for you in trials and take his word serious because hopefully as I'm presenting it to you today, you're not just going to hear like what a man thinks. You're going to hear what God says, and when you hear what God says, your life will change. Okay, so I'm going to set this up one more time before I get into the mess. I give you like three introductions. Here's like my third introduction. That means if you have experienced the most tragic thing in life, I am telling you, you're going to have the answer today to your problem. That's what I'm saying to you. I'm saying if you just walked into this church right off the street and you have just left the funeral, which we've had people come quite frequently, you went to the burial or the funeral on Sunday morning for your mom, your dad, your son, your daughter, and you just walked in here right now and you are carrying the weight of the world, I'm telling you Jesus has an answer right now. That's what, I, that, that's what I am saying. Are you getting this? I'm saying if you have been in a marriage relationship for 20 years and you just found out he or she was cheating on you last night and it's official, the text was sent and he moved or she moved out and is staying at that house today and you came to church this morning, I'm telling you this is the answer. That's what I'm telling you. I'm being serious. Are you all listening to me? I'm just going to say it one more time in another way. I'm saying if Friday your boss came to you and said you are fired, you have lost your job, or you are laid off, and you are the kind of person that lives week to week to paycheck to paycheck, and you don't know how you're going to pay your bills come April 1st, I'm telling you the answer is right now. Now it's up to you what you do with it. But this is God's heart for you in the midst of your trials. Can I give a fourth introduction? Here's the fourth introduction. Here's the fourth introduction. Some of you are like the man who was drowning in the middle of a flood. And God sent that man a boat. And when the boat came, the man said, I'm not leaving until God himself comes and saves me. God will save me. Then God sent the man a helicopter. The helicopter came as the waters were rising. He's now on top of his house, and they came with the megaphone, get on the, the strap, and we'll pull you up like they did in Katrina. And he said, I'm not getting up on that because God said he would save me until he comes. I'm not leaving. Then the man dies in the flood. He goes to heaven, and he says to God, why did you let me die? Why did you not come and save me. And God says, I sent the boat and you didn't get in it. I sent the helicopter and you didn't get in it. You died because you didn't take the help I gave you. Can I be honest with some of you today? When we talk about trials, I'm not blaming you for trials. I am not saying the trial was your fault. I'm not saying the sickness, the illness, the trouble, the finances, the finances, uh, the, what, what people have done to you. I'm not saying it was your fault. You might have been brought to this point of being in a trial, and it's everybody else's fault. And I'll be the first one to agree with you because there is times in life when life sucks, right? I hate that word, but I got to use it so people can understand. There are times when life sucks, and you don't deserve it. Children don't deserve to be abused. People don't deserve to be cheated on. People didn't deserve five years ago to lose their jobs and an economy. Crash. But listen to me. It is up to you right now what you do in this trial. It's up to you what you do here that makes the difference. 
If you want to let that trial define you and wreck your life and put your mind in the past, then your body will follow your mind and you will live in the past. Or you can break out of that today in Jesus' name. You can be like Daniel in the midst of the lion's den worshiping God. You can be like Joseph in the midst of a famine and in prison and be praising God. You can have your mind right and your emotions right and be well in your soul even though all things around you are falling apart. Are you guys ready for the message? Because I almost want to give you the fifth introduction. Dude, I'm so going to give it to you right now. It is well with my soul. Everybody say, it is well with my soul. You ever heard that song before? It's an old school song. It is well with my soul. It is well. Am I, am I just messing it up? Adam, come sing it a cappella for us. Adam, Adam. Come on, let's give it up for Adam as he comes. Just do your best. Yeah. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. My man. Dude. Man, I'm so proud of that guy for doing that. It is well with my soul, written in 1871 after the Chicago fire. You ever heard of the Chicago fire? When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrows like sea, sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, lest this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. After the 1871 fire, the gentleman who wrote this song was asked by D.L. Moody to accompany him in Europe for a series of preaching events. As he was on his way uh, to go there, he couldn't make the boat. His wife and children went ahead of him, and then they died in a shipwreck. He then got on the boat to go find the place of where his family had died. And as the captain told him that this is where his, uh, his family had died, he wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul. After the Chicago fire, he lost his business, by the way. The city burned. He then loses his family. And then on a boat ride, he writes the song, It Is Well With My Soul. That's what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about in the midst of those kind of problems that you can say it's well with my soul because God is with me. I'm not denying the problems. I'm not denying the pain. I'm not denying that things have gone wrong. But I am more acknowledging that God is right. I am more acknowledging than the pain that there is a joy that gives me strength. I am acknowledging more than the presence of my problems that there is the presence of Almighty God. Amen. Amen. So look at this scripture in Ephesians chapter 3. If you're ready, say I'm ready. This is the series scripture we've been reading every month. I pray, Paul saying, Ephesians 3.16, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit so that in your innermost being that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Everybody say he lives with me. 
You see, we're believing that there is a difference between religion and relationship. We're not just here out of religion. We're here because Jesus is our best friend. He's our Savior, and he is our God with us. He is in us. That changes everything, does it not? He's praying, Paul, that you would understand that, that you would grasp that. And then he says, I pray that you would be rooted, that you being rather rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the what? The love of Christ. That's my prayer for you today, friends, that you would grasp the love of God, that you wouldn't let a troubled situation cloud the vision you have of God's love. How often do people go through troubles and then they see that trouble more than they see God's love? I'm asking you to clear your vision and see the love of God despite your problems. I'm asking you to soar upon the wind like an eagle above your problems. Don't hang out in the chicken coop. Get where the eagles are and let God restore and renew your strength. He said to love, to know this love, how wide and how long and how high and how deep it is. It just means the, the love is so awesome and amazing. Like if you've ever been to the ocean or the beach, you're like, look how awesome that ocean is. Well, God's love is greater than that. If you've ever seen, uh, bigger than that, if you've ever seen the sky on it, like I was in the Bahamas, Paradise Island. Ever, anybody ever been out to a Caribbean island? It's so beautiful. You're by the beach. You see the water. I guess I'm alone on that. <laughs> anybody take vacations? Okay. So shout out your favorite vacation destiny. One, two, three. Okay, you guys are awesome, so just follow me on mine here. Okay, Paradise Island, here we are, Bahamas, the beautiful ocean. God's love is bigger than that. And then, boom, you look up to the sky, and you see all these stars. You see the length, the breadth, the height of them. Guess what? God's love is bigger than the sky, bigger than the universe. Hallelujah. He says that we should know this love and that in verse 19, because this love surpasses knowledge, that we should be filled to the full measure of the fullness of God. How many want to be full with the fullness of God? Amen. Now, I want to give you some terms today as we talk about trials. Let's get some things straight here so that we can get on the right page here. Number one, biblical trials are considered these following things when we go through the Bible. So I'm going to be differentiating what some people call trials and what the Bible calls trials. But first I want to show you what, what actually the Bible says we may face in life. We may face persecution. People may not like you for loving Jesus. You may face rejection. And this may not only just be for Jesus. You may be rejected by your friends because they're mean friends. You may be rejected by your family. Sometimes it's with Jesus. Sometimes it's because people are mean. You may have a trial of personal illness. You may have a sickness. You might have been born with a handicap. You might be suffering from a disease. That trial can become a personal illness. I'm giving you biblical examples next to each one. A sickness in others. How many know sometimes watching others be sick is more painful than you being sick, especially if you're a parent? Watching your children suffer is like the worst thing. I was with my, my children, and... Um, we were at the Woodfield Mall, and we were just hanging out, and I treated them to this candy place, and uh, there's like this Happy Tuesday candy place. I don't know if you've ever been there, and it's just like heaven because the whole entire place is candy, and you just grab out what you want. Anybody ever been to a place like that? And it's like, wow. It's like this is what heaven must be like, just a little piece of heaven. Like that and Fogo de Chao, like that is heaven. You know, it's like these two things are heaven to me. So anyways, I'm there, and I'm like telling my kids, pick out whatever you want. I'm the big daddy spender, you know. 
So, of course, my daughter with the peanut allergy doesn't know what candy doesn't, does or does not have peanuts, and I'm not even thinking about it. So I'm like the big spender. I'm like grabbing everything she wants. And so we sit down to eat the candy, and all of a sudden she had this honey nut thing, and I wasn't paying attention. She wasn't paying attention. And then her face became beet red. And then she got nervous, and, and she began to say, my throat is scratchy. I mean, watching her experience that allergic reaction right there, I was about ready to call the paramedics, the fire department. I mean, I was so mad at myself that I didn't think about the peanuts. And I'm calling up Nancy, what do I need to do? And she's like, well, it's not that big of a deal. If you can just get her home, we'll give her the, uh, the Benadryl, the allergy medicine. But I could not calm down. I was not okay. I was dragging them so fast through the mall, getting them into the car, drove like literally 100 miles an hour to home. Like seriously, that minivan was flying. Like I was going in that thing. And then I'm like, I, and the whole entire time I got Nancy on the phone, and I'm like, okay, you get the Benadryl. Come right to the garage. Right when I pull in, you be there. You be there. You be there. I'm come pulling up. I'm pulling up. And literally the moment I pulled up, she runs out the door. I hit the sliding van door, and boom, boom, ping, pow. She gets the medicine. And I just had to, like, take this deep breath. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And then I thought instantly, instantly, I thought about my best friend who in his, fir his first children were twins, Isaac and Victoria, and Isaac was born with half of his intestines missing. And I remember thinking about him. This was like 10 years ago and what he was going through. And ever since then, it's always, how is Isaac? How is Isaac? Oh, he has good days, bad days. You know, bring him to the hospital. They're trying this. Like every day, it's been like that. He's always in and out of hospitals. And, and it just hit me. And I'm like, I don't even understand what some people go through. I don't even understand. I don't understand that. Like my child having an allergic reaction. I know Ish had to bring back Johnny from a, a camping ex experience because of his asthma, correct? And, and it's just like I can't even imagine. I mean, we as parents, we hurt when other people hurt. Well, sickness in others is a trial. Maybe watching your mom uh, pass as we've had people or parents pass may be hard for you. I remember going to see my grandmother in the nursing home. How many love your grandparents? Amen. All my grandparents are gone, so appreciate them while you have them. Let me just give you that. All four of my grandparents were, were awesome, and they are all gone now, okay? But my grandmother, who was the last to go on my Italian side, was like the most generous, kindest person you will ever meet in your entire life. But when I went to the nursing home and she was dealing with amnesia and dementia and she had stains on her shirt because she had to drink out of a cup because she didn't know how to feed herself anymore, my wife was there. When, when they brought my, my mom brought her out of the, the room and, and sat her down in this waiting room with me, and she's like fidgety and acting like this, and it's just blowing my mind. Like I just cannot even see my grandmother like that, and it's like, I'm already about ready to cry. I can't even handle it. And then my mom said, uh, you know, Mom, this is Joey. This is Joey. And then I just lost it. I just, my grandmother did not even recognize me, and my mother had to try to tell her who I was. My wife will tell you I had to, I had to literally go out of the building because I could not stop weeping. Okay? Those are trials. Sicknesses are trials. 
illnesses in your life are trials. How about losing somebody you love when you bury them and you know you're never going to see them again? That is a trial. How about another one? When people sin against you, divorce or cheat on you or, or abuse you or lie about you or hurt you, these are trials. Financial hardships, we've already mentioned them in our, one of our five introductions. These are the kinds of trials that the Bible mentions in the, Bible, uh, in, in the Scriptures. Persecution, rejection, personal illness, sickness to others, losing someone you love, sinning, uh, people sinning against you, or financial hardships. How many recognize those are trials? Those can be hard no matter who you are. Now, before I go on, I just want to share this with you real quick. I want you to understand what is not a trial. Everybody say, what is not a trial? What I want you to see here is what, not, what is not a trial, and the reason I want you to understand it is because so often in the church I see people mixing these up, and then they start blaming God. Okay, let me explain to you what I mean. Your personal sins are not a trial from God. Your personal sins are not a trial from God. I want to be very clear with you. Your personal sins are your fault. I want you to get that in your head, okay? I got to be tough with you here right now because I got to get you to know the difference between what is a trial and what is stupidity, okay? Your personal sins are not trials in the Bible. Personal sins, according to the Bible, can be done away with right now, instantly. There is no process in the Bible for you dealing with personal sin other than you flat out repenting and stopping it right now. So if you're in adultery and you don't like how it's going, stop it. You're hooked on pornography, stop it. You're an alcoholic or a drunkard, repent and stop it. Still to this day, the number one drug rehab program in the world, not just the United States of America, is Teen Challenge. And it's not one step, it's not 12 steps, it's one step to Jesus. Over 80% success rate, started by uh, David Wilkerson. Why? Because they don't get into all that nonsense with them. They tell them right at the beginning, get off drugs, love Jesus, and get here, and we'll help you from that point. If you don't want Jesus and you don't want to stop, this ain't for you. Go over there to wherever the movie stars go and deal with it for 90 days and come back out and do it again, okay? But here we do it for Jesus, and we do it one stop, one repentance. It's Christ, and it's all the way. Guess what? I was a drug addict, hooked on cigarettes, hooked on pornography, and it was all one step for me as well. I can testify. Anybody else can testify to God's power. Well, it didn't work like that for me. Well, you did something wrong then. If it didn't work like that for you, let me tell you, you did something wrong. Personal sin is your fault. Let me tell you the next thing. The consequences for your sins may not be your direct fault, but they are a consequence that you must endure. Now, everybody, listen to me carefully because we'll all get excited when I say the first part. How many believe if somebody today murdered, uh, let's say yesterday, they murdered somebody, they should still suffer the consequence today in court even if they say they're sorry and they love Jesus? Do y'all believe that? Okay, so yesterday, somebody kills somebody. They In the gang, boom, kills them. Then they come before the judge. Judge, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do it. I love Jesus now. He's forgiven me. I'm a new person. Can you let me out? How many know letting him out is not the right thing? What I would say is good for you. It's time for you to meet Jesus now. Firing squad, let's show this community here we're not tolerating murder and violence. Amen? Because until the people fear the sword, they will live by that sword. So they need to understand there's a consequence. So I believe in the death penalty. Don't hate me just because I believe in that. But you all tracking with me. 
Now, we all, we all would agree with that. Now, let, let's say about your boss, right? Let's say your boss is embezzling money from the company, like Enron. You have lost, listen to me, you lost your 401K because he embezzled money. You have lost all of your retirement because he embezzled your money. But he comes Monday to the company and says, Guys, I'm so sorry. Listen, I asked Jesus to forgive me in church on Sunday. Can you all let me come back and be your boss again? I promise I won't do it no more. How many of you think your boss should be your boss again? Now, does God forgive him? But he has the consequence, doesn't he? Okay? You get the consequences of your sin. Listen to me. I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I'm just asking you to be very honest with yourself. Separate your sins and your consequences from your trials. Now, will God forgive sin? Absolutely. Will God be with that person in the jail cell? Yes, he will. God is not going to say, well, I don't love you. I don't care about you. You're just going to be there all by yourself now. No, God is going to be there with them, but God is going to get them through the consequence and have them learn a lesson. Lesson. There is a lesson to be learned. Are you guys tracking with me? I'm learning something. I sinned. I had a penalty in my life, and I don't want that penalty. How many know there's a difference between sin and trials now? Okay, now let me just explain it to you one more time, just a little bit clearer, so we can move on to some things to do. See, personal illness is not because of somebody's sin. Back in Bible days, they used to say, oh, if you are sick, that must be because you sinned. That's actually the belief of karma in the Hindu religion. Some people think, oh, the Hindu religion, that's so cute. Look at Brad Pitt. He's doing yoga now. No, no, people have no idea how devilish that doctrine really is. See, I've been to India, and one of my favorite preachers, Ravi Zachariah, is from India, and his father taught him one of the Indian proverbs because there's so much poverty there, you would think that there would be more compassionate ministries. Like, why does uh, the ter uh, Mother Teresa have to go to Calcutta to do what wealthy Indians are not doing in that setting? Because of this kind of thinking, the proverb was, the tears of strangers are mostly water. You see, you, you, you believe in a reincarnation, then you have to believe that people who are being born sick, whether they're children, whether they're uh, whoever they are, if they're being born deformed, that mindset teaches them it's because they sinned in their past life. See, you think karma's cute now? You think that's cute? And I was at an ashram, a holy uh, temple, with the Hare Krishnas, and I asked the guy straight out. I said, so you're telling me crippled children are crippled because they sinned in their previous life? And he says, absolutely, that's what we believe. Absolutely. No, he did not back down at all. He said, that's what we believe. Now, is that what the Bible teaches? No. Even the Jewish people at one point got deceived by this because they saw a blind man. They said, who sinned, Jesus? Jesus, who sinned? Did this man sin or did his parents sin? See, because then it gets into that mindset, well, maybe my sin will make somebody else sick. And can you believe that that thinking, going back to my friend's testimony, even resulted in his life, came into his life? My friend Juan, who had Isaac, those twins, he came to me and he said, man, I don't know if this is God punishing me from all the bad that I did before I became a Christian. And me as his friend and other Christians had to tell him and say, never. That's not how it is. That's not your fault. Sickness is here because mankind rejected God. And God, in his mercy, took our sins and our sicknesses, according to Isaiah 53 on the cross, and promises us one day healing. So does sin 
bring sickness, yes, but our personal sin did not bring the sickness. Sin, my friends, is more than just breaking, some, uh, breaking a commandment in line. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God by eating the wrong fruit, they brought the power, the presence, and the penalty of sin upon this earth. Are you guys tracking with me? So personal uh, uh, sick, uh, sickness is not because of sin. How about this, rejection? How many of you have ever been rejected by someone that you didn't deserve to be rejected by? But some of you might have beat yourself up and said, maybe I could have did this, maybe I could have did this. You know what, sometimes we have to learn to just give people the gift of goodbye, don't we? Hey, you don't want to be my friend anymore, goodbye. But it hurts. It doesn't make it easier, but sometimes that is the truth, is it not? You know, I was dating a young lady when I was in Bible college, and I thought that this woman was to be my wife, and I thank God that she wasn't. But uh, I actually had to suffer some things going out with her because I thought I was going to marry her. And I went, we were in a long-distance relationship, and I went to surprise her in Minneapolis. And uh, one of her, you know, like I think it was her mom, told her, you know, hey, somebody's coming from the airport. Go by and pick them up. And so I come in the, you know, I'm traveling on the airport, in, in the airport, uh, an airline rather, plane, airplane. I'm traveling in an airplane with the roses literally in the chocolate with me, okay? And she's coming there to meet me, and I got these these things with me. And the stewardess is like, oh, what's going on? I'm like, oh, I'm going to ask this girl to marry me because I was going to do that. I was going to give her these roses and then, uh, you know, surprise her with being there. And I was going to then go with her to a jewelry store and buy her a ring and just bless her and just be like, hey, let's get married, right? So this is everything I got in my mind to do. When I show up and she's there, she's shocked. And it's not a good shock. It's like she's an upset shock. She's like, what? What are you doing here? And, and she's like, I thought this was going to be a surprise that I wanted. Like, that's what she's actually like looking like. Like, she didn't want this surprise that her parents told her to go and get. So we're in the car, and she pulls over, like, literally, like, right by the airport. And she's like, I've got to tell you something. Guess what she told me? I've been cheating on you. And I haven't had the courage to call and tell you. So I guess I'll tell you now. You see, I was rejected that day. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't deserve to be rejected. She rejected me because she didn't want who I was. You know that there's some people in life who don't want who you are? You could give your best presentation to them, and they still would reject you. Sometimes you think to yourself, well, I would have did this different. I would have this. Some people listen to me. You grew up with parents who rejected you, and you might have dealt with this in your mind. Well, if I would have done this in school, if I would have been this as a child, that, that is all a lie. They rejected you because they had a problem in themselves. It was their fault. It wasn't yours. How many have ever been rejected? How about losing someone you love? Have you ever lost somebody you love? Now, these are the things we're talking about. Now, write on a piece of paper or just think about them if you can, the top three trials in your life right now. Rachel, would you come to the keyboard, please? I just want to set an attitude of prayer here because I want to bring this into a point where you can start to hear God's heart. Does everybody understand the difference between sins and trials? Okay. Now think of your three main trials right now. I'm going to tell you a few, and then um, I had some people in my heart that I wanted to share, but I, I don't want to know if I want to put them on the spot. Did you get my text? You, did, you got your phone off in church, which is probably a good thing. Could we just have a talk right here? It's already been a little bit of an awkward day already. Um, I wanted you to share about your trial from living in the south and how that house didn't work. I guess I'm telling it. And then how you moved to where you are. Would you share that? Okay, not right now, but would you share that? Because I want you to do that. Thank you. Is Cynthia Rodon in the back? 
she watching kids? Sister, would you switch with her? Let's give it up for Ashley. Amen. She's going to switch with Cynthia so she can come. Thank you. And would one of you guys testify about what you had to go through to see Phoebe come? Would one of you do that? I know that's tough, but you don't have to. No, no pressure. But I'm serious. Would you, would you be willing to do that? Okay. I want to give you guys three testimonies today. I'm sorry I put them on the spot, but it's really in my heart, and I got it back there, and I tried to text them, and it's a good thing they have their phones off. But I was like, I think I need some people to speak today from the congregation. You're going to hear from someone who lost a home and had to start over. You're going to hear from someone who just found she has lupus and found out she has another issue. She'll explain it to you, but yet she's Cynthia, but she's serving God. And you're going to hear about a family that not only had a miscarriage, but brought forth a child into this world and then lost it. Baby Hezekiah. How old was Hezekiah? Two weeks old. I went and saw him. I've never seen anything more cuter. And as a pastor, I've never gone through anything harder with our people than that. There's just something about children that break our hearts, right? So I want you to hear those three testimonies because those are real situations. But I also want to tell you some of mine, and then I'll, you know, I'm going to give you my top three, and then I'll tell you what we can do to make it through and hear God's heart. Can I hear an amen? Let's do it. Okay, so the first one for me was, I'm going to go recently, okay, I'm going to go recently, was losing my church and having to start over. Let's give it up for Cynthia Rodon. Amen. I'm going to have you testify in just a minute. Is that okay? Thank you. I want you to share about what you've gone through, what you put on our prayer board, but yet where your faith is because your, your heart is so inspiring. It's so inspiring. So I'm just going to go through mine, but the biggest one is recently is losing the church. So we started here like in 2006 at this location. And we started to grow to about 50, 60 people with children, maybe about 70. And we said, wow, uh, we can now move and go somewhere else because the building wasn't designed this way. My friend who came after me pimped this place out. And he actually needs to start a ministry called Pimp My Church because he is pretty awesome. Uh, Pastor Eddie of City Lights, if you ever see him, just give him a dap and be like, love you, bro. Love how you did this. Because this is not me, by the way, okay? If you ever see anything that I build, this is not how it comes out, okay? Okay. Uh, and so we're like, yeah, this place is a little small. Let's, let's go somewhere else, and we're going to dream big. And we, we found this building on, on Irving and Lowell right by um, Irving and Pulaski, and it was a great neighborhood, and it was a brand-new building, and uh, it was by the, the train and the expressway. And, and we were just thinking, this has got to be God. But the thing was they wanted 8000 a month. And we were only paying here around 3000 4000 a month. But I was like full of faith, and I had some people with me that said, we could do it. And, and, and we all just like prayed, and we felt God wanted us to do it. And we jumped out in 2008 to try to make this happen. Well, there's something that happened in 2008 that we now call the Great Recession. And within a few months, I realized we were sinking. Like, we couldn't pay the bills. And so I, I went to the landlord, and I'm like, hey, man, I mean, we are a church. This is our books. I mean, this is the, the financial records. Look, this is what we're bringing in. This is, you know, this is it. Can you negotiate with us? Can you help us? They're like, no, no, you're a church. You, you should handle the. Tell your people they, they need to give more. Literally, it's what they're telling me. And I'm like, this is all they can give. So then what we did is we began a building fund. 
like how we have now, a building fund. And it wasn't like, oh, let's buy a van. It was like, let's keep the doors open. I know some of y'all remember that. It was like, let's, let's give to this building fund so we can keep the doors open. And literally for the next year, and, and a year, we were doing fundraiser after fundraiser. Guys, we need 20 more thousand. We need 10 more thousand. We're short this month. We need two more thousand. How many some of you guys remember that? And then after a year and a half of total being there, I came to them and I said, listen, our people are tapped out. I've got people now in the church, 2009, uh, you know, 10, whatever. They're losing homes. They're losing businesses. They don't have what they had even before, and we, we can't afford this. And they literally said, they said, if you leave here, we're going to hold you responsible. Because I had signed on the contract as the guarantor for our church. Rewinding back to that time of the contract, I thought guarantor, man, I'm going to guarantee the place is clean. I'm going to guarantee like you got somebody to talk to if you need to fix something in the building. If they would have stopped and said, because it was a five-year lease, and said five times eight thousand, it was going, then it went up incrementally to, t- to uh, twelve thousand. If they would have said you're guaranteeing five hundred and fifty thousand dollars, I would have been like, listen, Jack, I don't even have five hundred and fifty dollars. But at this point, it got real, and then I began to beg and plead with them. I said, listen. Can you put it back up for rent? We'll, we'll, we'll pay you what we can. I said, at this point, I said, if we deplete all the savings, take everything that we have. I sell my car. I do everything that we can. I said, I can probably get six more months. I said, so for six months, you got? can you rent it out? Can you do something? They said, no, because we know we cannot get what we are getting from you. There ain't no way somebody's going to sign this contract now. Literally, it's what they're saying to me. And so now I'm calling up my lawyer. I'm calling up my pastors, my leaders, and they're telling me the same thing. They're saying, Joe, we're hearing about this all over the country. Churches are having these issues. If they won't listen to you, you have got to walk out of that contract so that you can keep your church. So in the second year with the witnesses here, I go to the landlords and I go, we never took a month we didn't pay for. So listen to me. I just I go to them and I go, we cannot pay you next month. It is gone. If you want to look at our bank statement, you can. The money is gone. They then cursed at me. I haven't been cursed out like that in a long time. And one guy got up in my face and I thought to myself, I'm about ready to go to jail again. And this dude's about ready to go to the hospital. (laughs) I'm so serious. It was like, so serious. Everybody say, so serious. And and my dad told me, he said, the devil tried to get you, man, because I'm, oh, my gosh, I would have crushed. It would have been, it would have been like that girl, Rowdy, like in the MMA, it would have been like 15 seconds. And I'm just like, I would have dropped that dude so hard. Just talking about that makes me feel better, but I need to move on and forgive. Forgive. (laughs) So he gets up in my face, and then he starts blaspheming God. You blankety-blank Christians. I knew it would be like this working with the church. You guys are always like this and blah, blah, blah. And I said, get out of my face or I'm going to call the police. And then I walked out. Which brings me to my second hardest thing. I called up the lawyer, and I go, that did not go well. He goes, you got to shut down that church now. Metro Praise Incorporated has got to close then. You have just gone bankrupt. And I'm like, you are kidding me. He's like, no, you got to close your church and start a new one. And I'm like, 
you are, I am a pastor. I love Jesus. I help people. You're telling me I've got to shut down this thing? He said, you got to shut it down and start a new one. That's why we are Metro Praise International. Hello. Maybe you don't love us anymore, but this is my trial. Amen. Didn't say it was going to be pretty, but it's real. And then the third thing, like the shoe dropping, the, the bomb in the background, they personally sue me for 500, no, 400, because we had paid some money, like 125000 So they sued me for 540 some thousand dollars. I then went bankrupt. I called up my lawyer, and I'm like, what, what do I do? He's like, you got to go bankrupt now, too. I'm like, you are kidding. I said, my credit is good. I've never not paid anything. I'm my parent. My dad is a financial planner. I've had an American Express card since I was like three, you know, because my dad worked for American Express. And I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like, no, that's it. He said, they, they, they came after your church. You had to shut it down. Now they're coming after you. And I'm like, can I explain to a judge? I'm like thinking I'm going to stand before a judge. And I'm like, can I stand before a judge? And go, excuse me, sir, I am a pastor. We didn't have the money. This is not a problem. Can you just let me go? He's like, they don't care. He's like, you signed your name. That's the contract. It's black and white. There's no excuse. You're done. So anybody ever seen those Peter Gerard go bankruptcy videos, like on commercials? What's his name? Peter Francis Dracy, here I come. So I am like sitting in bankruptcy places like this, whatever, bankruptcy office, and the guy is like, how, okay, so how much do you owe? And I'm like, 440000 He's like, four, what? He's like, did you foreclose on your house or something or take out a mortgage? I'm like, no, my church went bankrupt. And I can't even tell you how it felt. Like every time I had to tell that story, it was like nails against the chalk. I was like, I hate this whole situation. This is embarrassing. This is shameful. How did this happen to me? And then I'm sitting, then they go through this thing, and then you go downtown, you actually go to the court, and it's not like a court. It's actually just a person taking your record. And every place I literally went, they're like, oh, my gosh, you're a pastor, and this is the church? They're suing? Like, they just could not comprehend it. And they're like, man, I feel sorry for you, and then they would fill it out. But the day I walked out of there, bankruptcy court had lost the building, shut down the church, and became bankrupt. I felt this relief now, like it was over. And for the next year, by the way, we came here and restarted and God's been blessing. But for the next year, basically all of 2012, God taught me these things I'm going to share with you right here. He taught me like what you do through the trial, what you do after the trial, and how do you move past it. Can I give you some of those advices right now? And then I'm going to have these people testify in closing. I know I'm going late. Number one, you just never stop praying and committing to God's word. Don't go through the trial without God. Go through the trial with God. Now, you guys talk about you blame God, right? Like you're blaming God for different things sometimes. Don't you think I could have blamed God? Hey, boss, I work for you. You let this happen to me. I'm the representative of your kingdom. You're not a good boss. Don't I have a lot of reason to be angry at God? It's not like I started Joe's and Lotte stand. And Joe's and Lotte stand went bankrupt. 
I started a church to talk about Jesus. Like today is probably the most you've ever even heard about my life, right? Other than a few things you wish you could forget about the time we talked about those other things. But anyways, it's like this is not about me. It's not like, I mean, I'm not trying to make it worse, but I'm just saying it was terrible. But you know what? I never gave up on his word. Don't give up on his word of praying. How about this? Coming to church. Do you know what I found during that time is that the church wasn't a building. Now, of course, I knew that before, but I realized it more than I ever had before. When we relaunched and we came here and people showed up and started praising and worshiping and this stage became like the greatest thing in the world for us to have our band on, even though they're, they're like, it's like the clown car, how many can fit up on that thing, you know? It's like, here's all 10 of them all up here, you know? But it's like this became, this became like my Hillsong's conference, worship band. This became everything to me. Are you listening? Never stop that. How about this? Become accountable and vulnerable to leaders. I can't tell you how many times I went to people and said, I feel like quitting for like 30 days. Most people don't even know. I was like putting out applications, like looking around, like where can I go? Maybe Chicago's not for me. I thank God it wasn't that long. I, I, I remember one of the saddest conversations was me talking to my dad going, can I move back home? I had three kids, and I'm talking to my dad, can I move back home? But you know what? I didn't give up. I just said, God, help me, you know. I'm, but I was vulnerable. Like, that's how I felt. You, you all ever feel that way sometimes? you got to remember not to take trials personally or think it's strange. One of the things that people kept telling me over and over again, they kept saying, dude, the economy blew us all up. I was wakeboarding one day with this guy. He was like in a $70,000 boat, and he goes, I'm losing my boat. He said, I'm losing my mobile home. He said, I might lose my house. So it's like I began to realize, like, oh, yeah, I'm not the only one in the world going through something. Trials happen. Praise God for all the good that he's done. You know what I began to realize during my trials is that when I praised God, my problems seemed small. When I began to look at what God could do, it like seemed everything was possible. When I looked at my problems, nothing seemed possible. So what I did is I switched my perspective, right? How many know we can do that? It's our choice. Cast our cares upon Jesus. Anybody want to do that? Never compare during your trials. You know, that was one of the biggest things I suffered with, comparing myself. Well, this church doesn't go through that, and these two people aren't as spiritual as I'm spiritual. So if I'm really spiritual, how come I'm, not, I'm going through problems and they're not going through problems? Whenever you complain and compare, you're just going to suffer a whole lot more. How many know that? Find other people to help. How many know there's people to help? And now how many know you can help? When you start giving your life away, you start to get yourself off your own problems. Go fishing. That was my thing. Anybody here have a hobby? You go fishing. During that time, I went to the Bahamas. I went and did things that I normally didn't do. I was working so much, I never took time to stop. I took time to stop. And under the stars on the beach, God spoke to me. Praise God. Maybe yours is quilting. <laughs> go to quilting. Quilt yourself happy. I'm just kidding. Guard your mind from depressing thoughts. Nats, N-A-T-S, negative, something, something, I just forgot. Nats, look it up, N-A-T-S, negative, what is that A word, thoughts, T-S. What? Antagonistic, no, look it up for me, give it to me, but just stop the stinking thinking. Automatic, thank you. 
Negative automatic thoughts that just go back and forth over and over. Oh, my gosh. How many are tired of that kind of stinking thinking? I mean, I just kept hearing it in my head over and over. I am a failure. I got bankrupt. I closed a church. How am I ever going to make? I mean, it's just over and over. You just got to stop. You got to put your mind on God. Everybody. That's, that's, there, there is not one, listen to me, there is not one person that will ever go through a trial that won't have to fight their thoughts. You know, one of the things that scared me was how crazy my thoughts got so quickly. It's like, man, I'm thinking about quitting. I'm thinking about living. I'm like, man, I thought I never would leave here. But all it took was me getting hit a couple times in the gut. Like Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they come into the ring and get punched in the face. You know? I'm going to take down Mike Tyson. Okay, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. You get in the ring, bow, one hit in the face, and you're done. It's like getting hit in the gut. Like you got this big plan, and then boom, you get hit in the gut, and it's like you can't catch your breath. You know, I've been learning how to swim, and one of the first things they teach you is how to swim in pace with your breathing because if you're not breathing, you're sinking, friends. And it's like that's how it is with depressing thoughts. If you're not taking time to breathe and exhale that carbon dioxide, that negativity out of you, you're not taking that time to breathe in the newness of God, my friend, you will sink and you will sink fast. I tell people all the time, if I thought the way you thought, I would feel just how you felt. But if you start thinking the way I'm thinking, you're going to feel just how I'm feeling. Change your stinking thinking, amen? Trust God that everything will work out. How many believe we know that God's going to work it out? And never give up. You know what I'm going to do? Because I don't want to, thank you for coming. But I'm, you know, this is what I'm going to do because I don't want to keep you guys long. Because literally this will go another hour now. We'll have like ten closings. I'm going to tell your stories. Can I tell your guys' the stories? Okay, I have permission. Okay, I'm going to tell their stories in closing. Ishmael, during the time of the recession, had to foreclose on his house that he had just gotten with his wife to start a new life and to start a family. After they foreclosed on that house, they had to go and put the new house in his wife's name. But today, they are the most blessed they have ever been. They are the most happiest they've ever been. God brought him through foreclosing on a house. The scariest thing a man can ever go through is not providing for his family. God brought him through. Let's give it up for God bringing him through. I'm going to make sure. I'm going to make sure I get this correctly, Cynthia. Because you just posted this up. Cynthia has dealt with lupus. What was the thing you had to get where you had some strokes? Torn carotid artery. And this last thing you posted that you have, I'm assuming that's what this is for, is you posted up that they just told you osteoarthritis, that you have that, and that you now need to get the shots into your bone of cortisone. But yet she's here this morning. There are people with a cold staying at home from church. There's people that don't want to keep working and want to claim disability with a headache, yet she's here, she's working, she's going to do everything she can for her family because she's living it out through her trials. God is with her. How many thank you? Let's give it up for Cynthia. Praise God. I know I can't tell it as good as they can tell it. Jessica and Salvador, how many miscarriages did you have before Hezekiah? None, but it was after. Okay, got it. So your first time getting pregnant, you guys have Hezekiah, baby boy. He was born how many weeks premature? Well, how old was he when he was born? He was 34 weeks, 24 weeks. 24-week-old Hezekiah comes out. Full term is what, 50-some weeks? I don't even know. 40. 
Thank you, Nurse Rachel. Glad that you're here. Amen. This little baby is in an incubator. And they're coming around him every day in the hospital for two weeks saying, God, we need a miracle. And yet Hezekiah died. He passed. And we know we'll see him again in heaven. And, and uh, Salvador's got a pretty rad tattoo of his name on him. You got to check out the tattoo. But yet they want to keep having a baby. So they keep going. How many miscarriages then did you have? Two miscarriages. And then we had my friend come and preach, and he wanted to pray for women that had had miscarriages and so that they could get pregnant. And the look on her face when she came forward to get prayed was total fear. And it was like, God, I don't want to believe in this again, and you let me down. Or it not work. But yet nine months later, just roundabout, she gave birth to beautiful Phoebe, their first baby girl. And now they are pregnant again. Praise God. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's real life. See, that's real life. That's foreclosure. That's bankruptcy. That's enduring with sickness. That's death. And yet God is greater. I want to close out with God's heart for you in the midst of this. Number one, God wants you to keep in his love. Never let trials replace his love. Number two, believe that he's always with you. He was with them in the hospital. He was with them at the burial site. He will be with Cynthia when she receives those shots into her bones. He never leaves you. He doesn't leave you when things get tough. He doesn't leave you when other people leave you. And number three, let him carry your burdens. Come to him in prayer and all your weakness and all your frustration and say, God, I give it to you. I give it to you. I don't know what to do with it, but I give it to you because I know you're able. This is what the Bible says, and I want us to hear it today in closing. And as we get ready to close out, these are the altar workers who will pray with you today. So please, Nancy, go get Cynthia again. We'll put up a chair if she has to sit here. I want those of you who are dealing, dealing with enduring sickness to come and let her pray for you so that that faith in her will come on you to endure. Here's what the Bible says. And if you've lost anyone, go to Jessica and, and, and Salvador. If you're dealing with financial issues, go to Ishmael because we got people that can understand and a God who is able. Look at Romans 8.35. Now you can understand this passage. You might have heard it before or seen it on Facebook, but hopefully after today's message you got some substance behind it. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's what we started off with today, didn't we? Paul praying that you would grasp that love. Who can separate us from that love? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Hallelujah. Through bankruptcy, we're more than a conqueror. Through sickness, through death. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us, through betrayal, through abuse, through all the hurt and all the rejection. He loves us. 
For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demon, nor the present, nor the future, nor any power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation, your ex-boyfriend, ladies, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you believe it, will you stand up? Give Jesus, come on, give Jesus a hand clap. Hallelujah. Come on, we've clapped for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's bigger than our problems, bigger than our situations. He is love, and his love conquers all. His love conquers every fear, every doubt. His love never fails. Would you pray with me in closing? Altar workers and band, would you come, please? God, your love never fails fails we have failed ourselves we have made mistakes and yet you have loved us through our sins and yet God we still face trials that have nothing to do with our sins and your power is still great so nothing can separate us from you Number one, if you came here and you're dealing with sin right now, ask Jesus to forgive you, and that problem will be dealt with right now. Come on, if that's you, just get it out the way. Don't walk out of here in condemnation. Be forgiven. Be set free. Stop making excuses. Let God fix the mess right now. Quickly, come on, don't wait. Just in your own prayer time, wherever you're standing, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, change me. It was my fault. I did it. I'm suffering the consequence. Now help me, Lord. Change me, God. Make me new. Give me a new life. Give me a new situation. Because I don't want to rush through that. I want you to know if you're here today in sin, there is a God who loves and forgives you and will help you through that. But now, number two, if you can recognize that you are in a trial, it is not your sin, it is not your consequence, it is just a trial. It was out of your hands to begin with. You couldn't do nothing to prevent it anyway. And right now, you just feel in your heart like God can do something about it. You feel, you have faith. Would you raise your hands right now and say, Jesus, I give you this trial. I give you this test. Come on, if you feel that right now, release it to him right now. And say this with me, Jesus, no matter how long this trial lasts, no matter how long it lasts, I'm sticking with you. Come on, right now, every trial be released to the Lord right now. Do you believe it? There's faith in here. Come on, sometimes you can feel faith. It's like hope. It's like a, an anticipation for something good. That's biblical, friends. If you're feeling faith through your trial, just give it to God right now. You don't need to explain it. He already knows it. Just tell him, Lord, I give it to you. I release it to you. I trust you. And now with your hands raised, come on quickly in closing, with your hands raised, say, Lord, I need you, and I need your love. May your love keep me through this. Come on, and just name what this is. Through this divorce, through this pain, through this loss, through this recession, through this job searching, 
through this being a single mom. Come on, whatever it is. I need your love, Jesus, to get me through this. I need your love to get me through this. Come on, just sing that out right now, Rachel. I need your love to get me through this. 30 seconds. Come on, just tell them. We're going to dismiss in 30 seconds right now. Just tell them, I need your love, God. I need your love. Yes, Lord. To get me through this. I need your love. I need your love. Yes, I do, God. To get me through this. If I could fix it, I would, God, but I can't. I need your love. I just need your love, Lord, to get me through it. Come on, God, if I could change them, I would. But I can't change others, Lord. So I just need you and your love to get me through this. Lord, if I could fast forward, I would do it. But Lord, I got to go moment by moment through this problem. So I just need your love, God. Come on, 15 more seconds. I need you to wake me up tomorrow. To help me search for another job, God. I've been rejected so many times. But I know there's a job out there for me, Lord. I need your love to get me through this. God, I'm going to open up my heart again. I'm going to start another relationship. But I need you to get me over my past, God, from what people have done to me. Come on, Jesus. I need your love. I need your love, God. Come on, i got to see the doctor this week. I've got to hear the news that they've got to share with me. Oh, God, I wish there was a cure, but there's not, God. So I need your love to get me through this, God. Get me through this pain, oh, God. Get me through this sickness. Get me through this, God. Oh, God, I need your love to get me through this. In closing today, would you just look up at me? How many believe the love of God is the answer? I kind of tricked you, didn't I? I told you there would be this real deep thing I studied this whole week. And I gave you a lot of information, so it really wasn't a trick in that sense. But you know what the trick is? Is the simple answer to your complicated situation is love. That's the trick. See, that's the thing we need to know. 40 hours in God's Word, 20 years serving Jesus, going for my doctorate tomorrow. It's always been there. It's the love of God. It's the love of God. Would you trust me today? If you don't know it yet, would you at least trust me today to tell you that and try it? Focus on His love. Take it from someone who's been at funerals, who has buried children, who has been bankrupt, who has had crazy situations. Take it from me. If you don't know it yourself, take it from me. It's the love of God that's going to get you through this. It's the love of God. In closing, would you just surrender your heart as I pray, as we all do. Just surrender your heart to God's love. Lord, help us to give it away. All of our problems, all of our troubles to you. And help us, Lord, just like Paul prayed, to grasp your love a little bit more today, God. To see it a little bit bigger today. 
to see it go a little bit deeper today, to see it reach a little bit higher today, to all we see wherever we go is your love. In Jesus' name, if you believe it one more time, can you say amen and bless him? Come on. Slap your neighbor high five and say it's his love that will get you through this. God bless you. Have a great week. You are dismissed. But if you need prayer, can we pray for you today? Come on up. Band, keep singing it. If you're dealing with loss today, let them pray for you. Finances, come on. You're dealing with ongoing sickness. Let Cynthia pray for you. No matter what you're facing, come on. Have a great week in the love of God. Let the love of God be with you on your job. ready to sing Jesus be the center if you're hanging out today let us pray for you or just hang back and worship if you want because this is the after party we're not in a hurry we're just going to